Good morning, church. It's so great to see all of you guys here. I'm really excited as we stand um, on our tippy toes as we look to Christmas Eve tomorrow. Um, just want to encourage you, if you're coming tomorrow, um, and, and I hope that you will, I hope that you'll bring family and friends. Um, you've heard about our five different services. Uh, for those of you who are um, uh, members here, regular attenders, covenant partners here, just want to encourage you to be kind and hospitable in all ways. Um, one of the ways you can do that, obviously, is by looking out. There's always a lot of visitors um, at Christmas Eve, so be looking out for folks who look like strangers or who look like they don't really kind of know what's going on here. Please extend the love of Christ to them. Um, another way you can extend the love of Christ is through parking. Uh, you can, um, we actually have plenty of parking here, but we don't have plenty of parking that is right adjacent to the building. We do have plenty of parking that's a little further away across the street. So if you uh, don't mind walking and are able, uh, you can give the gift of parking to your neighbor by parking at the, um, parking at the school across the street, Tucker Elementary School. There's plenty of parking there, especially if you're coming to either the four or the six service. Um, that's what I would encourage you to do. And there's just, there's Uber, there's carpooling. I mean, there's just so many ways to get to church. It's like an adventure. Okay. Friends, if you have been with us here at all over the last month, you'll know that we are in a sermon series we're calling Let Heaven and Nature Sing. We're using our brand new hymnals to look at some of the great hymns of Advent and Christmas because, frankly, we've stopped hearing them. It's, it's become like the hum of your fridge in the kitchen that you do not hear anymore because it's there all the time. We just don't hear these words anymore, and we don't hear their power. We don't hear their glory. And so we want to learn to dig into these hymns a little better so that we can sing with clearer minds and fuller hearts. Um, and so this week we are looking at the great Wesley hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. This is one of my favorites from Charles Wesley, wrote it in the 18th century. Um, you know, the one interesting fact about this hymn is that Wesley's original first line was, Hark how all the welkin rings. Hark how all the welkin rings. Who knows what a welkin is? It is not a tool of wizardry from Harry Potter, although it sounds like that to me. It is instead, literally, it is an old English phrase that refers to the heavenly canopy or um, sort of the, the skies above. And so at some point, some wise person changed the first line because nobody in the world knows what a welkin is. But I personally think it's a fantastic word. I'd like to bring it back. So let's use it as much as possible in the next week. Okay, let's do that. So to open your hymnal to number 80, we're going to be using the words of this hymn to meditate on this great text from Luke chapter 2 from which this hymn is inspired. Luke 2, verses 8 through 14. So let's read that together. Listen, friends, you've heard the story before, but let's hear it again. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior is born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace on those to those on whom his favor rests. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. You know, there are so many delightful things about the story that Luke tells about Christmas in Luke 1 and 2, but perhaps one of the most mysterious, 
uh, and curious one that has garnered much attention over the years is the role of the angels, right? The angels. So many hymns have been written about these angels. Hark the herald angels sing. Angels we have heard on high. Angels from the realms of glory. Oh, come all you faithful sings. Come sing choirs of angels. Angels, I studied some angels, angel doctrine this week, of which there is not much. We don't know much about angels. They actually only show up a handful of times in the Old Testament. However, in Luke 1 and 2, they are doing double time. They are everywhere. They're showing up to Mary and to Joseph and to Zechariah and to the shepherds. There is a lot of busy angelic activity going on in Luke 1 and 2. We don't know much about angels, but we do probably need to do a little bit of angel myth-busting, okay? Angels, first of all, the Bible nowhere says that angels have wings. They do not have wings. They do not have halos, as far as we know. Uh, they do not play harps. Thanks be to God, they do not. Um, it is never actually mentioned that they sing. You'll notice verse 13, it says that they said, not sing. That is some creative license taken by naughty hymn writers, right? What we do know is that they are created by God. They're not human, yet they're created beings who are created by God to serve God's purposes. And the main job description of an angel that we know of in Scripture is to be an announcer. Literally, angelos means messenger. So that's the job of the angels, is to announce a message on behalf of God. And so what we want to look at this morning is this, is that what we see from this passage and from this hymn is that Christmas is essentially an announcement about something that has happened. Christmas is not a feeling. It is not a sentiment. It is not chestnuts roasting open open fire, Jack Frost nipping at your nose, although those are lovely things. But this fundamentally is what Christmas is, an event, an announcement about something that has happened to change the course of human destiny forever. So that leads us to ask, first of all, why an announcement? Well, let's remember the wider story. You've all heard it before, I'm sure. It's a time of the census, and every family was required to return to their ancestral town. And so Mary and her fiancé, Joseph, make their way to Bethlehem, since Joseph was in the line of David, and Bethlehem is the city of David. And while they were there, Luke 2 says, Mary gave birth to her firstborn son. Now, a woman having her firstborn child and her firstborn son was a very big deal. If you were here at all with us in the fall as we studied the book of Ruth, you'll remember that it was highly important for any family to have a son, especially a firstborn son. And when a woman had her first child as a son, it was the jackpot. And often what families would do in the ancient world, especially if they had the means, is that they would hire a herald, a herald, not, not a guy named Harold, but a, a guy, an announcer, someone who announces on behalf of the family that this good news had happened because the family lineage was now intact and it would ensure that it would be continued into the next generation. So everybody was, it was essentially a birth announcement, right? And we do this today. Um, a lot of you have done this when you had babies. You know, maybe if you're, you don't have much means, you sent out an email or made a Facebook post. Uh, perhaps families with a bit more means send out one of those, you know, six by nine glossy cards with a picture of your baby nestled in some ferns or something like that. 
I've seen those, but essentially, um, it is the same thing. We are announcing that a child has come into the world. Now, Mary and Joseph did not have the means to hire a herald. Joseph was a mere common laborer from a podunk village, and Mary was nothing more than a 15-year-old girl. They were not even married yet. They did not have the benefit of a dowry or anything like that. They had no means at all. So guess what? God takes care of the herald. God brings in the big guns. He brings in the angelic army of light, the messengers of heaven. They become the birth announcement of this child. And you immediately begin to realize that there is something extraordinary about this child because this is no ordinary birth announcement. Now, we will get to the content of the announcement in just a moment. But let me just say this for now, that as simple as it sounds, it's really important for us to remember this, that Christmas is an announcement about an event in history. It is about something as historically real that took place in time and space that is every bit as real as the birth of your own child. In all the sentimentality of Christmas, we sometimes forget this. You know, a lot of folks seem to think that Christmas is a yearly reminder to be giving and to get in touch with the better qualities of human nature and to remind yourself of the capacity of humans to be good. This is basically the theme of every Christmas movie. I think Netflix came out with like 29 new Christmas movies this year. We've watched like half of them in our family and they're basically all the same story. I mean, they're wonderful, but they're all the same story about a selfish person, a person who's kind of living for themselves or who's mean-spirited in some way and then something happens to them, some crisis, some event, and then they're turned around and they realize, oh, Christmas is really about being giving and being generous and being Good And as good as those movies are, friends, that is not what Christmas is. Notice the angels. What do they say? I bring you what? Good news, not good advice. They are not showing up to these shepherds, giving them some good advice about how to be more giving or how to be better people or how to live a more exemplary moral life. No, they are saying something has happened, dudes. Something has happened that if you choose to believe this thing, will change the course of your life forever. It is an event. They are offering no guidance, no moral direction to these men. They are simply saying something wild has happened. I'll remember the birth of our own first child when in the delivery room, the doctor announced, it's a girl. That was not good advice. Lord knows we needed it. But it was good news. It was news that I knew meant for me and Sarah that it would change the direction of the course of our life forever. And that's what the angels are doing. They are saying that something has happened in history. And the response that's required for you is to decide whether you are going to rearrange your entire life around the magnitude of this event that has happened now in space and time. It's an announcement about something that has happened. And so the, the natural question then comes is what is the announcement about? Well, the angels tell him. Look at verse 11. It says, To you in this day, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah, the Lord. Later in verse 14, uh, his, his backup singers show up, and they say, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, let me try to just sum up in one way what they're saying. They're saying that the good news is, is that God has ended the war. That the long-standing war of hostility between humanity and God is over, and God has now accomplished peace. Peace. 
between God and humanity. See, the Bible says that we all have a really big problem. I mean, we all have problems, but the Bible says there is a bigger problem behind all our small problems. There is a deeper problem, subterranean beneath all of our other issues, and that is that we are estranged from God, that we're separated from Him. And that though we once lived in harmony and in union with God, at one point the human race rejected God and turned away. And every single one of us, I don't care how good or bad you are, or how religious or irreligious or old or young, every one of us chooses in some way to live our lives without God. And as in any relationship, when there is an offense and a wall of estrangement goes up between you and the other person, so it is in our life with God, there is a barrier, a wall, a separation. And this separation is horrible not just because it creates distance and absence and fear even between us and God, but it actually cuts us off from the source of life and enslaves us to death. This is the biggest problem of our lives, our separation from God. And you know what? Every religion in the world, Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, all of them in some ways acknowledge that there is a separation between humanity and the divine. And every religion in some way is an attempt for humans to cross the gap, to overcome the barrier, to get through the wall, to get to God. And so it's always a sage or a prophet or a wise man who comes to tell you how to break through, how to get to God, pray this way, meditate this way, use this sacred text, behave this way, live this way. Religion is basically man's attempt to get to God, to get through the wall of separation. Are you following me here? So this is what makes the angelic announcement so astonishing is because here's what they say. A savior has been born to you and he is the Messiah, the Lord. The Lord as in the name only reserved for God. The Lord as in the maker of heaven and earth. They're saying that the, the Lord, the, the one who gave the baby is the baby. That the, the child that the angels announce, the Lord that gave the child is the child. That the Lord who was far away from his people has come near through the barrier to now dwell among his people. And this is why we sing in this hymn, look at verse 1, peace on earth. It's not talking about inter inner peace or even peace between nations. It's saying the peace between God and man, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. The angels are announcing that God made the first move. That God broke through the barrier, to punch the hole through the wall that separated us in humanity, that he did what we could not do. He forever ended the war between heaven and earth, making peace between God and the human race, bringing them together, finally reconciled in and through the person of Jesus. And that's why the angels are going bonkers. That's why they're showing up so much in the first two chapters and have so, because they have this amazing announcement to make that truly is the most astonishing announcement ever to pass through created lips, and that is that God has ended the war, pleased as man with man to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel, that God has come, and that the verdict of condemnation and judgment that hung over the human race is now over. And instead, as the angels say, on humanity, God's favor rests. Is that not amazing? And friends, this is such good news. It is so good news that you don't have to go the way of religion anymore. You don't have to try to, to break through the wall to get to God because God has broken through the wall to get to you. That you don't have to climb up the mountain to God because God has climbed down 
the mountain to you, that you don't have to work your way up to him because he has worked his way to you. And this is why the gospel, the message of Christmas, is not good advice. It's not advice about how to, to, what to do and what you need to accomplish to make something happen between you and God. It is not good advice. It is good news about what God has accomplished once and for all at the end of the ages through Jesus Christ to finally end the war, to live for us, die for us, rise for us, and to finally make peace between God and humanity. That's why the angels are so jazzed. You see that? That's why they're singing. That's why they're showing up. That's why they're lighting up the dark night sky, because something has happened to change the course of the human destiny forever. So the, the, the natural final question is, then who is the announcement for? Who's it for? Well, I love this because in verse 10, the angels say, this is good news of great joy for who? For all people. It's for everybody. Not just Jews, but Gentiles. Not just people who are rich, but people who are poor. Not just people who are, who are low, but who are high. As my friend Don used to say, the people in the uttermost and the people in the guttermost. It's for everybody. Everybody. And that's wonderful, but let's be honest, when a proclamation is that universal, it is wonderful, but not necessarily personal. You know, if somebody comes up to you and says, I love everybody, that's not very moving. But if someone looks you in the eyes and says, I love you, that can really change a soul. And so it's amazing that in verse 11, after proclaiming the universality of this message, the angels then look straight into the eyes of these shepherds and they say, a Savior's been born to you. And I want you to remember who these shepherds are. I'm sure you've heard preachers talk about this before because preachers love to talk about this, about how the, pre the shepherds were essentially the scum of the ancient world. They were separated from towns and villages. They were separated from the rituals of the temple. They were unclean, unholy. They were known to be thieving and distrustful. They were actually disqualified as acting as witnesses in the court of law because they were considered to be that low on the social ladder. These are the guys that the angels chose to give the first birth announcement of the Savior of the world. You know, last night I was in the fan, and I passed by a tattoo parlor, of which there are many in our dear, fair Richmond. And outside the tattoo parlor, there were three guys who were on a smoke break, and they were completely tatted up, and they had ear piercings, every, they had piercings everywhere, taking long drags on their cigarettes. And I just started to laugh. Because I said, those are the guys the angels showed up for. Those guys. And just imagine, those guys. Guys just like that, out in the field. And suddenly the sky breaks open. The darkness is lit up like lightning. And they're shielding their, their eyes. They're trying to put their cigarettes out really quick. <laughs> right? Because heaven has opened up before them. And the angel says to them, to you. To you, dudes. To you. The Savior is born. So do you hear the message of the gospel, not just as universal for the world, but for you? For you, Anna. For you, Charles. For you, Harrison. For you, Amani. For you, Anne. For you, Richard. To you. Do you hear that? And to receive this as an announcement for you, you first have to accept that you need it. Right? Gifts carry a message. They always do. What if on Christmas morning, I open gifts from my family and the first is a box of deodorant, and the second is a carton of breath mints, and the third is a book on personal hygiene, right? 
to, to accept these gifts and to say thank you to my family is essentially to admit that I am a smelly slob with bad breath, right? <laughs> gifts always carry a message, and to receive certain gifts, you have to accept certain things about yourself. And so it's very sweet to think of baby Jesus as God's greatest gift of Christmas, like it says on like fridge magnets everywhere. But it's a much different thing to say to receive this gift means that I am accepting God's solution to end the hostility between sinners and the God of creation, and that I am among them, that I am a rebel at heart, that I am in war with the God of the universe, and that I am accept that I need rescue, that I am a sinner who needs to be brought back to God. And so what we see at Christmas is that it is a message, unlike any message that we normally hear, that our primary need as humans, that your primary need is not that you're ignorant and you need a little education, or that you're lacking in energy and you need a little motivation, or that you're discouraged and you need a little consolation, or that you're confused and you need a little orientation, but that the deep message of Christmas is the primary problem with your soul and heart is that you are in rebellion and you need reconciliation, that you need to be brought back to the God who loves you. And so you got to accept that the news is worse than you thought, but at the same time that it is better than you thought. Because if God was willing to move heaven and earth to get you, a lost sinner, back to himself, just think how desperately he values you. Just think how much he loves you. Think about how he was unwilling to face eternity without you. He's saying to you, to you a Savior has been born. That he was willing to limit himself into, a, into this veil of tears and embrace human suffering, that he was willing to cross the universe, to become small, that he was willing to live and die, to be crucified, to bear our sin, to rise, to ascend, to send the Spirit, to reign, to intercede, to come again for you. He has done everything possible to get you into his family. And now over your life, through Jesus, the message, the banner over your life is on you. His favor rests. His favor. Isn't that beautiful? So friends, here's the, here's the thing. Let me just sum up. Christmas is an announcement. It's not a sentimental feeling. You know, I love those feelings too. I love them. But fundamentally, it is an announcement about something that has happened in history. And if that is true, then the fundamental question you've got to ask is, how are you going to respond to this event? Are you going to rearrange your life around it? Are you going to make this person now central to your own life? What are you going to do? There are some of you who need to ask that question for the first time. You need to ask, do, you, do I believe this message? I know, I am certain that there are some of you here who feel very far from God. And you are wondering how in the world you are going to get back. And I want you to know today is that you don't have to get back. God got to you. God has come to you. You don't have to scrape your way back to God. You don't have to clean up your life. Look at the shepherds. God comes to you. He comes for you. You don't have to wonder how God feels about you. On you, his favor rests. And all you have to do is receive through Jesus the gift of reconciliation and peace that he wants to give you by grace. Can you receive that? And others of you who have received that gift, you believe all this stuff, but yet you are just as bitter, just as unforgiving, just as anxious, just as fearful as you have ever been. And I include myself in that category. And so my question for you is, do you actually believe this? Have you just, has it just become a refrigerator hum that you don't even hear it anymore? And I would ask you, maybe the reason you're bitter or having trouble forgiving that person that you have to spend the next couple days with is because you have forgotten all that God has done to make peace with you. Maybe the reason you're worrying about something going on in your life is that you have forgotten that God 
has moved heaven and earth to draw near to you, and you will never, ever, ever, ever be alone again. Maybe part of the reason you struggle with insecurity and shame and guilt and fear is because you have forgotten that now the message pronounced over your life is no longer one of condemnation and guilt, but favor, that you are God's beloved. Peter says in his letter, in 1 Peter chapter 1, that even the angels long to look into the gospel. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? The angels long, they don't understand it because they're not sinners, but they long to look into the gospel. It is so wondrous to them. It is so mysterious to them. It is so befuddling to them that God would do this for a lost humanity. The angels, that's why they're singing. That's why the welkin is ringing. See, there you go. I used it. <laughs> because they can't get over in the gospel. They can't stop being amazed by it. They never stop wondering over it. So brothers and sisters, will you be like the angels? Will you never stop wondering? Will you never stop looking into the depths of the good news of the gospel? Will you never let it stop stirring your heart? Will you never let it stop changing you? You can't ever get past this. God and sinners reconciled. God and sinners reconciled. Glory to the newborn king. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. We do praise you, Father, that you have accomplished the great act of our salvation for us. And we pray that we would be those who never forget and that we would sing with the angels that you have come to dwell among us to make peace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.